Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, big book study. My name is Melissa C. I'm from New York, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd. This is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 164, first paragraph, still you may say, and we'll be reading one paragraph only. <clears throat> Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Jessica G., the 12 traditions, Maura Z., readers of the text will be Rebecca S., Allison L., and Carmela G., waiting in the wings. Okay. The reference numbers for yesterday, Monday, June 22nd, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting was 14848. That's 14848. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting was 14849. 14849. Oh, and I forgot to mention our newcomer greeter will be Lynn F. And the host for the second hour is Russ M. Okay. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jessica G. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. This is Jessica G. in Central Florida. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. 7. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you so much, Jessica J. I will now ask Maura Z to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Melissa. Thanks so much for your service. <clears throat> 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you so much, Morrissey. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. And, and you'll hear me, I'll say time when you go over. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we are going to resume our study of the Big Book, and we're on page 164, the first paragraph starting with Still You May Say. And I'm going to now ask Rebecca F. to begin reading and get us started. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, everyone. This is Rebecca F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Still you may say, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure God will determine that, so you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. And there's a footnote that says, Alcoholics Anonymous will be glad to hear from you. Address P.O. Box 459, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, 10163. And I've been thinking about what I'd like to say about this paragraph. And uh, what I came up with was that I was taught to identify in and Dr. Bob and the stories of the first 100 recovered alcoholics. So even though I don't have the benefit of face-to-face contact with those who wrote this book, I do feel connected to them. They taught me to always trust and rely on the infinite grace and glory and power of God rather than on my finite self or the finite selves of others. And in fact, God has showed me how to create the fellowship I crave. I have been unbelievably blessed with so many friends and fellows who have also connected with the writers of this book. So they really are present in my life. And um, as far as having a fellowship I crave, that word crave, reminds me of how I used to have the phenomenon of craving for more food, and now my craving is to have a fellowship of friends, and I have that. And um, it's all because you all show up, and I get to bear witness to what this program does for you, and I'm attracted to that, and it inspires me to keep working this program, and um, it gave me courage to do service and to become known among my peers in this program, and um, that all got that ball rolling to create that fellowship, so um, I'm so, so grateful, and that's all I can think of to tell you about my reflections on this paragraph. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you so much for getting us started. Beautiful, Rebecca. Okay, so um, before I open up the lines for sharing, I just want to remind us all um, that although we value your experience, we do ask that you limit your share to every third day. 
So if you've shared on Friday or Monday, we ask you to hold back um, so that others might share their experience too. Who would like an opportunity to share? Katie yes, B. from Austin. Sam S. I hear Katie Janet G. H. Janet B. Janice, Janice, Janice okay, P. Hold on, hold on. I heard Katie G., Sam S., Janet B. I missed some names in between. Debbie Diana H. H. What page you were reading from? Debbie. Lisa B. Hold on. Hold on. Debbie K. After Debbie and before Lisa, there was someone I missed. Diana H. That's it. Diana Thanks. H. Larry K. Larry K. And Jen A. Okay, Jen A. Hold on, I'm just going to stop right there. Um, and the person, someone had asked about where we were. So we're on page 164, the first paragraph, still you may say. And I've got Katie G, Sam S, Janet B, Debbie K, Diana H, Lisa B, Larry K, and Jen A. And I think that's a great start. So, um, Great. Katie G., would you get us started? Thanks, Melissa. Great to hear you. Good morning, everyone. KG Recovered, Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic in Boston. You know, uh, one of my favorite prayers is God is sending me who I need, what I need, when I need, for as long as I need it. And, um, you know, I craved, I ached, I desired, I died for, I hankered for the food. And I've heard that that craving is equivalent with that, um, you know, up to today, well, up to prior to coming into the room, that unsatiable craving for God, for connection. And how is this related to people? How is this related to a fellowship I crave? Well, I didn't come in here to be friends with y'all. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, and I don't have a lot of social skills. So I can tell you in the last 16 years, I've learned what it means to be a friend. I've learned... Um, what it means to um, find God in other people, because that's how I get to God. And if that doesn't work with you, that's okay. But this is not an I program. This is a we program. And my real reliance and dependence is on God. Um, but it tells us many times through the book, solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Um, there's another quote out of the AA 12 and 12 that talks extensively about the insanity of my mind and that the most spiritually uh, grounded people, which is not me, um, seek out. Um, counsel. And so for me, I have to tell you, um, the fellowship I crave is something I cultivate. Like if you're on the line thinking, um, you know, people aren't calling me and you're angry, I got to tell you, God can't give me the fellowship I crave unless I pick up the phone. The reason the phone is hard when I make it hard is because I'm making it hard. Phone's not very hard. You just pick up, dial a phone number and you say hello. And um, I have to tell you, um, and I, I, I could cry uh, if I was that kind of person. I don't always find my feelings that easily. But um, the women that walk before me, um, I mean, I had a friend I was talking with this morning, and, and we were just remarking on how the grace of God has changed me so that I can actually be in her life, right? Because I was a lunatic. <laughs> I have edges. I'm a porcupine. I'm selfish, self-centered, dishonest, and afraid. And I don't know how to depend on other people, and I don't know how to trust other people. But by showing up a day at a time and by being surrounded by women and men who care more about my life, like you guys don't really care about my feelings. And, um, and that might sound really harsh, but I don't really want you in my life if, you're, if you care more about my feelings than you do about my life. I need people 
people surrounded, surrounding today who are as inspired and um, on fire for God and for the, for the amazing me message that God can do for us, rescuing me this out-of-luck, cra out crazy, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and the transformation that can happen. The, the, per the, you know, those that I talk to, I'll wrap up with this daily and, and several times a week, um, change me. Um, and I, I can't explain that except to say that the grace of God comes in and we trudge together for our primary purpose of staying clean and helping others. And I am forever grateful. And with that, I pass. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Katie J. Okay, next up is Sam S. And Sam will be followed by Janet B. Good morning, Sam. Hey, Melissa. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Hi, everybody. This is Sam S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in, in Bristol, Rhode Island. I mean, I was reading this little paragraph here, and what stuck out to me is the fellowship you crave and real reliance is always upon him. And I thought, why do I crave fellowship? And if I'm relying on God, can I get the same things that I'm craving from the fellowship in God? And so I made a little list here that I just thought I would share, and these are all things that I can find in God at any time of the day, regardless of if I'm in a meeting or not. So why do I crave? I crave understanding, identification, purpose, to be heard, to not be alone, to find recovery, to find hope, to find help and direction, to find peace, friendship, support, inspiration, to hear the answer and the good news, to find kindness, to find someone to help me. And I know that God is always with me. I'm never alone. So I don't, while the fellowship certainly aids in my recovery and it helps me to carry the message, I know that when I'm really craving things that I can just um, get quiet and pray and I can rely on my higher power that, you know, I'm, I'm where I need to be right now and he's going to, he will put the right people in my life as they need um, to be there. Um, but I can always and should always really rely on him for the answers. I just thought that was so beautiful that, you know, early in recovery, I, I, di I did. I needed to be, I needed to hear the hope. I needed to hear the message. But as you know, I practice steps. Uh, the steps and especially step 11 and I, I'm improving my conscious contact with him. I realize that I need him more and more and I'm just so glad to be there today. And yeah, I think that's all I have this morning with that. I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sam S. Okay. Next up is Janet B and Janet will be followed by Debbie K. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning, Melissa. Um, this is Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. And I also honed in on that line, we have to remember our real reliance is always upon him, God. And I know when I first came into Overeaters Anonymous, I mean, I didn't know about that. And what I was kind of shown and what was talked about was get a food plan, get a sponsor, stick to your food plan. Well, some people could do that, stick to their food plan, but I spent six and a half years in the rooms of OA 
with different food plans, different sponsors, and they may have been great sponsors or great food plans, but I could not stick to them because the problem was that I was putting my reliance on having the perfect food plan or having the perfect sponsor or doing the perfect assignments at the perfect meeting, and my reliance wasn't on God. And how could it be? Um, I didn't really know much about God. Um, So there I was. I couldn't put the food down. I just couldn't do it. Um, And then I started hearing about God. And I started thinking, well, I don't really know. I kind of believe in God. And elsewhere, you know, earlier in this chapter, we hear them saying, like, maybe. That my real reliance upon God can start with a maybe. It can start with maybe God can help me. Like it's, it was okay for me to start that way. And I found that when I started out that way, not sure God could help, I could say, okay, God, if you even exist, and if you even, if you even exist, and if you're listening, I need help. I'm not sure you exist, but if you do, I need some help. And if I pray that, the worst that could happen is that there's no God and I end up talking to dead air. But what if there really is a God? And what if there is? And that's what happened to me. When I just said, God, I don't know what you're like or how to worship you, but I can't do it my way. And I'm willing to admit everything I've done and think about you is wrong and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. It was like a hand reached into my soul and yanked out the obsession with food. And as long as I continue to trust and rely on that God, the obsession remains away. And it's been gone for decades now. And I'm just so always, always grateful to the God who lets me rely on him and never lets me down. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Janet B. Okay, next up is Debbie K. And Debbie will be followed by Diana H., Good morning, Debbie. Debbie, press star one to unmute. This is Debbie H. in Kentucky. Oh, I must have gotten it wrong. Debbie H. Go ahead, Debbie. Hi. Sorry. Um, (laughs) The line that really stood out to me was also the line about reliance on God, and I just um, think about how often I'm doing a fear inventory and you know, when I write, why do I have this fear? Because I'm relying on my finite self instead of infinite God, and it does not work. Uh, my reliance has to be on God. And, um, you know, when it talks about um, craving the fellowship, um, I can't decide what it's going to look like. I can just do the next right thing and leave the outcome up to God. So I don't get to decide what the fellowship looks like. What I need to do is, um, to, I talked about this yesterday with someone, appreciate the hidden treasures that God offers me in the fellowship and in my life. And um, that means I have to be open um, and go beyond my own thinking. Uh, I like saying, uh, say the set aside prayer often and to set aside everything I think I know and um, just be open to what God has for me that day. And um, 
I really like what somebody else said about, you know, God gives me who I need, what I need, when I need it. You know, if I can think like that, um, I am really relying on God and not on myself. Anyhow, that's all. Thank you so much. Pat. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you so much, Debbie H. Next up, I've got Diana H., and Diana will be followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Melissa. This is Diana H. in Round Rock, Texas. Um, yeah, I was thinking about the reliance part, and a lot has been said about that already, but one thing, um, I've had people rely on me in the past, you know, like work relationships or even sponsoring relationships, and I don't, I don't want anybody relying on me, you know, because I am, I'm not God, I'm human, and I will let you down, and I will probably make you mad at some point because I am human, so I, I certainly don't want people relying on me, and I'm, I'm so grateful to have God in my life, and, and that he, he continues to, to show me that he is reliable, he's reliable, I can trust him, he's trustworthy, I, I can rely on him, there's no reason why I couldn't, he's not going to let me down, but um, another thing I was thinking about in the first sentence, it says, but I will not have the, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book, and I was thinking, what if I could talk to the people who wrote this book, you know, what if they were around and I could talk to them, what would I say? What would I ask them? What would be, my, and all I could think of was thank you. I was just thinking, all I could say is just thank you. This book is so well written. I don't, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a scholar. I'm not a historian. I don't know a lot of what you people know. And, but I, but it just doesn't seem to have any gaps or, or mistakes or anything. And I'm just so thankful for the book and for the people who wrote it. And I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much for your share, Diana. Okay, next up is Lisa B., and Lisa will be followed by Larry K. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everyone that's here this morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and as Larry always reminds me, I do spell my name L-E-S-A. I love this reading. Um, if I go to the ocean with a thimbleful, I'm just going to get a thimble full of water. That's it. And this program has taught me to go with like huge, huge vessels. And God helps me bring these large vessels and get a ton. And, you know, with this pandemic going on, I've got to get on living. I have got to get living instead of worrying. And the way I get living is I listen for a share. I set a goal for myself every day to at least find a diamond in every share, every meeting that I listen to, and I text that person, and I thank them for that share, and I ask them if I can call them. And guess what? I've made a new friend, and I ask them about their recovery program. How did they find a vision for you? How did they get into OA? You know, where are they in their process? And I love learning about people and finding out about them. It gets me out of myself. And the other thing, I, I really enjoy this reading. It's almost kind of a mysterious. It says, um, we cannot be sure. So it says, I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. That's kind of mysterious sounding. What is that really meaning? And to me, that is saying that this universal spirit, this infinite power that is outside of time and space, 
like maybe I can gain access to those who have written this book in the spirit. And and when I read this book, it's teaching me in the 10th step that I've entered the world of the spirit. And it's encouraging me always to go in prayer and meditation to ask, to ask. Anytime the book uses the word ask, that's saying we pray. And I can ask for guidance. And, you know, I love reading books that talk about in ancient times, that same intelligence that created, say, the telephone was there. It was, it's been there all along. It's just waiting for someone to tap into that, that seed that's in the air around us. And sometimes we'll hear about a discovery and like five things with that discovery come around from different parts of the world. It's there all the time. So I each morning ask to tap into this infinite spirit. Show me, show me how to get into the solution. You know, when I'm having a problem, I pray for the willingness to be open to a whole new solution. And the thing is, when I go to that power, with the problem, I'm not going to be able to hear the solution because I'm going with the vibration of a problem. But if I go in the vibration that there is a solution, there is a solution, I will come across it. And it usually is through intensely working with others. When I'm disturbed, I need to intensely reach out to newcomers and gather up new sponsees and work with them and get out of my problem. This is how I create the fellowship I crave and do it without strings without strings attached. That's the thing I keep reminding myself. With that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Okay, next up I've got Larry Kay, and Larry will be followed by Jen A. And good morning, Larry. I, I, are you there? I'm here. Hey, so I have to tell you, today's my last day of school. <laughs> oh, yay! I tell you. <laughs> Thanks. So this I can tell you Kay. before and, you ask me. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. And, uh, Go uh, good morning. and I, I will let you know that I spell my name L-A-R-R-I. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I couldn't resist with, with Lisa. Um, so anyways, yes, we, we have the opportunity to create the fellowship we crave. Um, but, but I need to ask myself, you know, what am I bringing to the fellowship table? Am I, you know, am I only bringing a knife and a fork <laughs> to the uh, proverbial fellowship table? Today, I, I, I can bring a book. Now, mine has a big print because my eye, you know, my eyesight isn't what it used to be. Um, but, but, you know, it, it's really important for me to ask, what am I bringing? Am I bringing some hope? Am I bringing recovery? You know, um, it, then it goes on. Our real reliance is always upon him. This struck me. Sometimes I think we use the desire for proof as an excuse for not doing something uncomfortable. You know, we procrastinate. I can conjure up all sorts of reasons to delay. And see, what people do in working the 12 steps, I know because I was one of them, but it, it, it's really like shooting baskets against a backboard because practice is necessary. The practice reveals to me where I am. It shows me where I intend to go. But what I really need to do through this process is go play in an actual game. In other words, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if we had a spiritual awakening as a result of, of, of practicing these 12 steps, only to stay on the practice squad, right? Never having to get into the, to the, the game of life. The real, that's where the relationships happen and where work happens and you know, where Melissa shows up to teach school and, and where we, we're citizens and we live in a community, right? The change is intended so that we can, we can show up in those environments in real life 
real world, to be of maximum service to God and to those about us. And that's not going to happen fully in a bubble of fellowship, but fellowship's beautiful. I, I'll wrap up and say I knew this guy who was recovered as a result of these steps. You know, he completed them, and, and yet he was still very fearful of relationships with family and friends and so forth. And he said, wow, this recovery thing is really great. In fact, I just assume never having to return to living as a member of my family, my crazy family, or in my community of these nut jobs, right? And I'm, I'm going to stay safe and protected in the fellowship. What's the point of it even interacting? But see, there's a twist. Sometimes what seems like setting a boundary, saying no, is actually a cop-out. At least it was for me, an inverted way of avoiding saying yes to life while, while trusting in God. The challenge is getting past our fears, trusting in God's ideal. I always put my trust in God, however challenging that could be sometimes, because God's ideal is unfolding before me. And often saying yes, not just to the 12 steps, but to yourself through the things your higher power has shaped and molded in you. That's what I try to do. And it takes courage. And it's not easy. And it, and, and it drops my defenses. It happens in layers, in God's time, moving closer and closer to a sort of spiritual core. My sadness, my shame, they fall away. They begin to fall away organically, and it's beautiful. It happens in the fellowship for sure, in the game of life. So thanks, Melissa. Enjoy your summer. Thank you, Larry. Thank you so much. Okay, next up is Jen A., and then we'll open up again. So good morning, Jen. Hey, Melissa C., thanks for taking the meeting this morning. Um, gosh, what an awesome meeting. My name is Jen A. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater anorexic ambulimic from Littleton, Colorado. And, you know, I'm on page 164 today. I love 164, right? I have to go back to the doctor's opinion and remember where I came from before I can have this beautiful promise and this beautiful way of life. And I remember coming into this program, and I don't know about you, but my reliance wasn't on anything but me, myself, and I. Um, in the doctor's opinion, you all told me that reliance upon things um, on my human self, things were going to pile up on a girl like me. And they were. They were piling. And then you told me again in how it works about self-reliance was as far as I would ever get, right? And it's going to fail you every time. And I heard that loud and clear. And I relied on people for a while in this program to, to guide me and direct me. And I've relied on these gentlemen who wrote this book, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm practicing what's been, been written here. But my real reliance today, as after working these 12 steps and having a spiritual awakening, rocketed into this fourth dimension of existence that is beyond anything I could have ever imagined. It's not of this earth. It's not fleshy. Um, it is amazing. God is so good. Um, you know, I just, I think I used God for so long. Um, and I love how it talks here about what I'm going to do now. My most important thing is that I am going to rely on him. Who is him? For me, it's God, HP, you name it, whatever you want it to be. What does reliance look like? It looks like when I got up this morning and got on my knees and started divorcing myself from who? Me, again. Relying on him for the concerns of my day, the direction that I'm going to go, or perhaps the pause that I'm going to put in my day so that I don't, I don't do the wrong thing, right? So that I'm always in his path, in his sight. And, and, and that's what I love about this. 
Um, dependence on me never worked. Dependence on God always works a heck of a lot better. It might not be exactly what I want, but God knows what's best for a girl like me. So I'm so grateful that, um, you know, today I'm, I'm asking God. I'm coming to God, and I loved how it was said that this morning. Ask, ask, ask. 63 times it says in two books that I have read in this program that we need to go to God. And what are we asking him for? We're asking him to show us and to give us these things. Test God. See where he's lacking. That's what I did. He's not. That's what I found out. And the biggest thing for me is that, you know, God is enough. God is love. Um, he's, what, he's what I need. Um, he's what I've always desired. I never knew that. And that when I let, I let God in and he takes over my soul and my life, then guess what? I have this fellowship, and that's just been created based on, on loving God and loving others. And that's truly, truly a beautiful place to be. And with that, I'll pass. Uh, thank you so much, Jen A. Okay, so just to kind of remind everybody where we are, we are on page 164. We read the first paragraph, Still You May Say. We read one paragraph only. And if you haven't shared on Friday or Monday, we really invite you to step up and offer to share. So P.C. Like Susan Charles A. Kim A. Laurel B. Okay, hold on one second. I got P.P., Charles H., Leah M., Laurel B. I know I'm in Amy Amy G. Susan A. Susan A. Maura Z. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. I, I apologize if I missed you. Doing the best I can, my friends. So I got P.P., Charles H., Leah M., Laurel B., Amy G., Susan A., and Maura Z. And I'm going to stop it there and then open it up if we have time. So, P.P., you are up, my friend. Thanks, Melissa. Good morning. Thank you, Melissa. My name is P.P. I'm a compulsive over here to recover today by God's grace and mercy, and I'm in Pennsylvania. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for taking the meeting and all of the shares. I really got a lot out of them. And, it, it, you know, I find it interesting that, you know, that, that we met, the two things I pulled out of this is the word crave and then depend. And, you know, the doctor, in the doctor's opinion, he talks about the phenomena of craving and that the phenomena of craving only occurs when I ingest something that I'm allergic to, right, that, that, that doesn't work for my system, but I see it as a solution, right? If I ingest a donut, I'm going to crave another donut. And it's just funny how they use the word crave, right? Because what it's saying is if I'm craving the fellowship, I'm craving something that's insufficient to solve my problem. Insufficient to solve my problem. See, sometimes we, we, I think we, we put ourselves as humans in a position to be the solution to a problem that only can be resolved by the power, the higher power. I've said it a number of times, and it, and, it, and it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up when I say this, that these fellowships never got one drunk sober, never got one compulsive overeater relieved of the obsession. That relief, that recovery comes from the power. Call it her, call it him, call it she, go whatever you want, but it only comes from the power. If this fellowship is what I depend on, 
for recovery, then that's human aid. I can't get that recovery from human aid. I can't, I can't read this book, memorize it, know what page it's on, tell you what number it is, tell you who wrote it, tell you what color underwear he, was, he, was, he, he, wore, he had on when he, when he wrote it, and think that that's going to get me recovered. That's a mental defense. We have no mental defense. We have to remember that this fellowship is the opportunity for each one of us, myself included, to be a demonstration of God's love, God's will, and God's way of life. Right? Like, here's the truth. I can't do anything without God. I can't do anything without God. But what he's saying to me is that I have to be the demonstration, which tells me that God can't do anything without me, that I have to show up. We never apologize for God. Right? We have to, we, uh, you know, in, in, in my mind, I have to stop inferring that the, that the, that the dependence is on we. We never solved one problem. Right? This is a we fellowship, not a we program. The only we it is is that it's God and I. And then I could be a demonstration to the fellows about me that this program works. It's 100% successful if applied the way that it's clearly outlined in this book. Like that tells me that I could be victorious in all things that I do. Right? Backed by the power and love and mercy of the God of my understanding. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Pete B. Next up is Charles H., and Charles will be followed by Leah M. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. 1939, Bill W. in the hospital for the fourth time with Charles Towns Hospital. If you look at his story um, from page nine on, he will show you how much he craved Ebby. God, right, hold on, let me, let me drill down. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. He didn't crave liquor no more. I don't crave food no more. But I crave the fellowship. Do, do, do I crave, is it a craving to eat them? Well, the jury may be out. No, I don't do that. But, <laughs> I don't do that. But, Roland Hazard, every craved Roland Hazard. Right? Bill craved Ebby. Dr. Bob craved Bill. Bill D craved, you know, and the devil may care, fella, and up to 2020, right? The fellowship we crave. Let me tell you. Yes, I'm finite. But I can be a conduit for my... It says he will show you, right? And, and, and another word that really st- stands out to me is contact. Them guys didn't have no Sprint cell phone, no iPhone back in 1939. So they really did crave people. In, in this pandemic, I hear everybody talking about pandemic. It sounds like Corona uh, Virus Anonymous. We got Zoom. We got this. We got that. We got cell phones. We got, we got all, that, all that stuff, right? We got so much technology. Why? Because we crave others. You know, I got a couple of stepbrothers, and they was busy yesterday, and I got busy working with another, with a sponsoree. I crave that sponsoree because God wants me to crave other people. The fellowship is very important, very important for me to work this program. Yeah, I can have a head full of programs and no fellowship, and that's a step two problem. I think I could do it on my own. And that's a different plan, and with that, I'll pass. 
Okay, thank you. Thanks, Charles H. Next up is Leah M., and Leah will be followed by Laurel B. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I've always loved this paragraph because I've had the opportunity to witness um, the power of attraction when we give over a message of hope and possibility, a, mo- a message of depth and weight. I've I've had the privilege, you know, <laughs> I don't know about your disease, um, I know about mine. I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater, and this may surprise you, but my life goal was not to be here every morning on, you know, in the back, you know, trying to make sure this thing unfolds smoothly. Um, you know, I had other thoughts and dreams for myself. Um, but the reality is that um, today I yearn uh, for this power today i implement these steps so that i can have access to this power and today i get a tremendous kick out of watching and hearing the lives around the room around this room and the lives that i speak to during the day their lives being restored you know it's it's an amazing thing we are living proof that a power greater than ourselves has restored us to sanity, and it's a power greater than ourselves that has lifted each and every one of us uh, out of the quicksand and set us safe on shore, and that inspires me. Your recovery inspires me. You know, the fact that I've been able to live without having to compulsively overeat and to do so happily since 1987 is nothing less than miraculous, and I hear that happening to you, too. You know, that yes, it's possible to be relieved of the mental obsession of food, for food, to be able to have such a dramatic change in a personality, in our character, and in our values. That happened to me. And it's remarkable to witness. You know, so it's important for everyone to know that if you're a compulsive overeater of my type, what you don't know is how do you live in your house with your husband or your wife or your partner or your kids and go to your job and be with your colleagues or your boss, your mother and father, and not compulsively overeat, um, you know, in order to stand it and do it happily. That's what the program of recovery has done for me. And my experience is that the more I pay attention to my relationship with God and the more I serve others, the more my life flourishes in all areas of my life. And it's counterintuitive, and it's certainly, certainly counter uh cultural today and it's counter instinctual but the spiritual axiom for someone like me is absolutely true that based on my personal experience the more i give away and the more i carry this message to those in whom i work with the more i have the more my life flourishes and that gives me the greatest kick and it gives me the greatest kick to watch you recover as well and with that i pass thanks Thank you. Thank you so much, Leah, um, <clears throat> for all you do. Thank you. Um, Laurel B., you'll be next, followed by Amy G. Good morning, Laurel. Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for your service. This is Laurel B. from Chicago, Illinois. Um, he will show me how to create the fellowship I crave. If I have a fellowship, I need to be investing in it by showing up and sharing my hope, love, and recovery. 
if there isn't a meeting in my area, I can start one because there's always people suffering from the disease. I do have a responsibility to carry the message of recovery. And if I find the fellowship in my meeting is lacking in some way, I can focus on what I can bring to it rather than what I can get out of it. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Melissa, for your service. Oh, thank you so much, Laurel D. Okay, next up is Amy G. And Amy will be followed by Susan A. Good morning, Amy. Hey, Melissa, good morning. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for such an awesome meeting. I'm going to piggyback. Oh, my name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Piggybacking a little bit on what Pete B was saying, that word crave, you know, where have we heard that word crave before? Well, as we've learned, you know, we're at the end of the instructions in this book, and as we've learned, it's a twofold nature of this disease, a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And what is the what is the allergy? The allergy is a phenomenon of craving that we get when we ingest our allergic substances. My mental obsession and my physical allergy drive me to a point of craving beyond my control, right? And so here they're saying, here we can create a fellowship you crave. So could it be that they're telling me at the end of this instructions that we not only have the answer to the problem and how to fix it, we know what you truly crave. And for me, the saying in the rooms is, you know, you tried to fill, I tried to fill the hole in my soul with a knife and a fork or whatever substance, whatever mood altering substance. And could it be that they're saying that instead we have what it is you truly wanted? And for me, that hole in my soul was that craving for connection, connection to God, connection to other people, and ultimately bringing me back to connection to self, self, God, and others. And isn't that truly what I have craved all along? And I didn't know that when I came to these rooms. I was doing anything I could to anesthetize and get that sense of ease and comfort. But now they're saying if we work the process of these 12 steps, we use the fellowship, we work the tools, we do it all, that we can find what it is we truly have craved all along. And I can tell you, now that I am recovered, that that is what I crave today. Leah said it so succinctly that I crave to be of service to others. I crave to be a, 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 a person of commitment to my community, a wife, a mother. Those are things that I crave. Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. But now I am equipped. I have tapped into that power, and I have what I truly craved. And I didn't even know that I craved it, to be honest with you. But the beauty is that my eyes have been opened through my spiritual awakening and the process of working these 12 steps. And it's beautiful. I have become someone that I actually can like, and I can be of service to my fellows and to my community. What a blessing to finally know what it is that I truly crave. And that hole in my soul, it is filled because I have a power greater than myself that restores me to sanity. And I have a program that tells me how I serve my fellow man. How does it get any better than that, folks? Today I can say I am a grateful compulsive overreader because this is where I am today through the process of this program, these 12 steps, and this fellowship. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Amy J. And um, next is Susan A. And uh, Maura, I think we're not going to have time for your share, so I encourage you to stay for the second hour. Um, Susan A., would you... Press star one to unmute. 
Yes. Hi. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for your service. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Okay. I'm Susan A., a recovered compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania. And I really, this, this paragraph was very meaningful to me. I love history, and it seems like there's a thread of history going through this paragraph in terms of the asterisks. Um, and what jumps out at me is the longevity, consistency, and simplicity of this program. And it seems like, to me, the simple things are often the best things. Um, when I meet people who are in OA and my other fellowship, I experience an instant connection. Um, and what jumps out at me here is that first sentence when the writer quotes and says, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We do have contact with those who write this book through the words and the pages of the big book. And these words are enduring. As a therapist, I've been taught that the best gift I can give a person is the gift of my words. And in this time of COVID, we can't physically be with our fellows, but our words are the glue that connect us. And in vision, this is especially true since this is a phone-based meeting and fellowship. God speaks to me through my fellows and my other, in, in, in OA, especially in vision, and in another 12-step fellowship that I'm in. And we are all trudging the road of happy destiny together. I, I experience God's love through this connection. And um, vision and the 12 steps has changed me from self-focus to other focus and God-focus. I do crave the fellowship every morning and throughout the day, whereas I used to crave food. And my, my craving of the fellowship is now channeled through the uh, uh, channel to, to me. I'm sorry, it's the channel that connects me to my higher power and to others, um, and especially to all of you. And with that, I will pass. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Thank you so much, Susan A. Susan was our last share for today. I want to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And um, the share ID for today's meeting, today being Tuesday, June 23rd, 7 a.m. meeting, was 14854, 15854. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And will Allison L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I sure will. My name is Allison L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.